0: All right, so we had uh, 11 pages the first week, 10 pages the second week. This week we only have seven, so it's getting less and less. By by the end of the year, you'll be sending me pages, so it'll be that way. But it's gonna be good. So uh, anybody remember what did we start with? Anybody remember the first first lesson? What was it all about? Anybody remember? DNA, DNA, so it's the big, big picture, right? We're talking about the whole big picture of the purpose of God, the eternal purpose of God. So what is the eternal purpose of God? What is the sung in the angelic realm 24-7, Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation, you hear what's going on in the heavens? What's going on? Not you, Brownie. All right. Who knows? What is it? What's the mission statement of heaven cried out 24-7? Sorry? The earth filled with his glory. And what, what do we know about the is in the King James Version? What do we know about the is? It's in italics, so that means it was added by translators later on because they thought that made more sense. And thank God they do put the italics that shows that we threw that in. So, uh, so really what it is in the original Greek is earth filled with the glory. And it's a cry. It's a cry, sorry, Hebrew. sorry. It's a cry from the throne of God, earth filled with his glory. And that's what God wants. He wants the earth to be a manifestation of his goodness, his glory, and a demonstration to him. And uh, what, what is the only, the one and only vehicle that God has chosen to do that through? The church, the one and only vehicle. Is there any other vehicle? Is there any other way of doing it? Do you believe that it's possible that it could be something beyond the church pastor it could be the church and does anybody believe it could be the church and just put up your hand if you think it could be the church and okay why is it only the church does anybody know you just have that conviction and you're staying with it <laughs> if God said it what does that mean if God speaks it what does that mean I mean, God God has to stand by that. That's God's word. So if God says, I'm gonna do this through this chosen vehicle, and God chose the church after Israel failed, right? That's why he chose the church. False or true? Oh, you gotta know. Don't tell me you don't know. It's not true. It was always true. Why? Because the church is not something that came into manifestation later. The church is... And it said, God said, from eternity, I've selected that vehicle called the church. So the church has an eternal purpose. means had no beginning, had no end. And the church actually will constantly always be this called out. See, so we say church, but a church is the word ecclesia. And ecclesia means there's a called out group of people. There's, there's people called out who attach themselves and join themselves to that mission. That group that he pulls together, the body of Christ, that will forever be the new Jerusalem. And it'll forever be that heavenly Jerusalem that forever will manifest the purpose of God, which is the glory of God. So true or false? It was the church eons past. It's the church forever that is the only vehicle that's going to reveal his glory. True. And you should know that full on, no hesitation. Don't shake your head at me. I think so. So it's always the church. God's glory filling the earth, the vehicle is the church. The church is that vehicle. The church is, here comes the church. It's a big deal. And if that's what God wants to use, like, if if you knew you are going to Toronto tomorrow and so many I'm going to bring the vehicle to take you to Toronto. How many want to know, what are, we, what are we taking? What's the vehicle? How are we going? You know, are we going on scooters? Are we going on, you know, skateboards? I mean, what is the vehicle? How are we getting there? The only way to get there is this vehicle. You should know about it. And if people know that God from eternity has chosen a vehicle to express himself, we should know something about it. How many people are going to heaven? How many people know anything about heaven? It's amazes me how many people have no idea what heaven's about. And yet, they're going to spend eternity there. It's like, how many are going on vacation? You got booked a trip to Cuba, and you checked out the resort. You Googled it. You checked it out. You checked out ratings, all kinds of stuff. But you're going to heaven forever, and you don't know a rip about it. Most of you think you're going to float around on a cloud for eternity. It's true. I'm telling you. Anyway, I could do a study on heaven for you, but that's not why we're here tonight. So... That's it. Then what about impact, church? We talked about some of the things that distinguish us as a people. I had seven things last week that distinguish us as a people. There's priorities. It's a big deal. These are, there's a lot of things that we're serious about, a lot of doctrine, but these are seven priorities, things that, things that are just non-negotiables for us as a church. Give me one. Yes? Grace. Amazing grace. That's a big deal. Grace is a big deal around here. Can anybody give me another one? Love. Love is a big, big deal. And it is authentic love, not sloppy agape. Like real, absolute, authentic love for one another being manifest. And because of that love, we we are baptized in His love. and We experience His grace. We then exercise faith in. Oh, faith, there's that other one. Faith in that grace, because faith's a big deal because you can't get anything. Sincere faith, I mean, rock-solid faith. Faith that works and gets results, you know what I mean? Real faith. What is your faith in? What is faith in? My faith's in faith, praise God, because faith will make it happen. No, God's made it happen, and my faith is in the fact that God is absolutely true, and my faith is in God. It's not in, a lot of people got just faith in faith. But, you know, my faith is in God. What else we got? Something else? Zach, you got another one? Excellence. Very good. Excellence. We should do everything really, really well. If you're going to do anything, do it really well, right? Intentional excellence. What else? Was that? What's that? Four or five? Is that five? That was four? All right. Missional. We're a very missional church. Actually, we just, we just gave $11,000 to Jamaica today to put a roof on a church. And we spent $5,000 today to Haiti for our orphanages and things like that. So we do a lot of that stuff on purpose. We're intentionally missional. We are. That's five. We had excellence. So that's six. We had. So we had, uh, sorry? Equipping. We are an equipping church. Absolutely. That's why we're doing this right now. And did we miss one? Vibrant gatherings. Vibrant gatherings. Yes, that's intentional. How many had a good time on Sunday? We had a lot of fun. How I mean, thought that was good? How I many thought, like, Mar- Marcia did a really good job? Wasn't that good? Man, I didn't even know that was happening, but she kind of capsulized everything. Can you believe that that family came to this church because their four-year-old daughter was transformed into kids' camp? Like, that's why they decided to really plug in here because their four-year-old daughter was so impacted by the kids' ministry here. I mean, man, I thought it was really good. I was like, boom. And then all the way through, then she got plugged into small groups. And I mean, she gave a, a whole testimony about all of our processes in one shot, and it was real good. So there we go, vibrant gatherings. We again. I felt like Sunday, It felt like the worship team was, was up there leading, but I felt like the congregation was pushing really hard. I could feel more coming from behind me than uh, I, I felt like I was being pushed by, by the congregation more than led by the worship team. That was awesome. Hey? Hey? Come on! Woo! All right. Okay, so tonight we're going to jump into our values. we got values. There's things we value. These are verbs that we value, and these are core values of Impact Church. Are you ready? We're going to cover four of them tonight. We're going to cover three more next week. And then from that point on, we're going to get ridiculously practical, and we're going to show you the whole underbelly and the inner workings of what it means to do ministry around here. Underbelly. How many like seeing the underbelly of things? Not so much? okay how about inner workings does that sound better all right what did you see when i said underbelly oh that's awful okay erase erase that image and uh come on back. all right come on transforming lives to impact their world impact verbs that we value they're all verbs and they're verbs that share a value verb number one now in your value card you would add a value card in your in your package you'll see all the values there but uh, the, this value is the seventh value, but I'm going to move it to the top just because for me, this is a value that kind of wraps everything up together. And it's really, really an important value for me. And I value it highly. And uh, I think above all, we need to enjoy ourselves. Got an amen. I believe above all, we need to enjoy ourselves. And that's 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 on purpose. I mean, that's a value for me that we are gonna have fun, amen. And I don't just believe it's our value. Like, hey, let's enjoy this. If we're gonna do it, let's at least have fun. This is this is a God thing, and uh, you need to establish and set yourself up that you need to be not just enjoying life, but you need to be enjoyable to be around, and uh, you need to have a climate around you that when people run into you, they go, "That was good." That was really good. All right, you ready? Psalm 16, verse 11 says, in the presence, in his presence, in thy presence, good old King James, there in thy presence is some joy. In thy presence, there's fullness of joy, and at the right hand, there's straight jackets forevermore. Sorry, I got that messed up. Sorry, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. How long? Forevermore. I mean, there's always joy in the presence of the Lord. And I don't know that God has ever had a serious thought. It's constantly, everything comes out of the realm of joy. I mean, God is like one fun dude. He really is. Uh, everything is wrapped up in fun. Psalm 2, 4. But the one who rules, the one who sits in the heavens, the one enthroned in the heavens, he laughs. I mean, his enemies come and, and he mocks them. He laughs at them and he has his enemies in derision. I mean, he rules through laughter. He rules through, are you kidding me? Ha ha ha! He said, what? (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? If you're up there and you don't get the joke, laugh anyways. (laughs) Not sure what's so funny, Father, but (laughs) hey. All right. Because that's what's going on. Hebrews 1, nine. thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God, even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness, the oil of joy above your fellows. This is talking about Jesus. We believe, we believe that Jesus reveals the Father. We believe that that's, if you want to know what the Father's like, Jesus is exactly the Father. In the scriptures it says, I tried to speak through people, through prophets, through, through you know, men of God in the past. I tried to speak, but now I have declared myself Clearly through my son. So people ask me, what what's what word would you use that best describes God? I mean, what 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 version? You know, what what word would you say? You know, would it be the NIV, the New King James, your RSV? I say the best word to reveal Jesus or the Father is Jesus. That's the best word. That is the very best word to reveal the Father is Jesus, because he is the final word. He is God Himself speaking clearly. Jesus is revealing the Father. Luke 10, 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, agalieo, Galileo. that word means to exalt, rejoice exceedingly, be exceedingly glad, to leap, to spring forth, to gush. Literally, I think Jesus was a whole lot of fun to be with. I really do. I think he was just a barrel full of fun all the time. And you know, that's that's the way I think he did things. Joy. Joy is an intense, especially ecstatic, exultant happiness. It is an expression or a manifestation of such a feeling. Joy is found 600 times in the Old Testament. The Hebrew language has 27 different words to express joy. Joy is a big, big deal in the kingdom. Can I get a hallelujah? Psalm 21.6, for you make him blessed and a blessing forever. You make him exceedingly glad with the joy of your presence. Acts 2.28, you have made known to me the ways of life. You enrapture me, diffusing my soul with joy and in joy with and in your presence. Jude 24, and he amplified, now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling. Isn't that good? He is able to keep you. Is he able? He is. He's able to keep you without stumbling, without slipping, without falling, to present you unblemished, blameless, faultless, before the presence of his glory in triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable, ecstatic delight. Whoa! You're a believer, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, I am! A lot of pressure, Joy, isn't it? Man, it's a lot of pressure being joyful. A lot of pressure. Okay. You don't stop laughing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop laughing. That's Michael Pritchard. It's not the word, it's just Michael Pritchard's word. Amen. I don't know. It could be urban legend. I'm not sure. But many places I've heard it quoted that a four year old laughs about 300 times a day, and the average adult, it's only 14. I was out with my granddaughter last night, Frankie. It was a giggle fest, just a total giggle fest. I carried her from the soccer field to the car, about 200 yards, and she was talking this close to me. Just. what? <laughs> And I think there was 300 laughs just in a car. And I'm like, this is just too much fun. I mean, I forgot about everything in my world because I was just caught up in the joy of Frankie. Most adults 14 times a day, and a lot of people, a lot of adults are below average. Like, how many times did you laugh today? (gasps) Let's get one out right now. (laughs) Uh, it's, good. it's good, you gotta, gotta get it out. Uh, Robert Louis Stevens in his diary said, I've been to church today and surprisingly, I'm not depressed. <laughs> you know, at our church in Toronto, the sign's been taken down now, but when I was a kid, we'd go in and uh, above the sanctuary door it had enter with silence. I was like, I always hated that sign. I always told my dad, I, that's just not even biblical. You know, It says enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart enter his courts with praise? and I mean, you're like, what's the silence thing? That's just creepy. Anyways, okay, it's not there anymore. All right. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, it said, if you would lead men to heaven, please wear heaven on your face. Can I get an amen? All right. Martin Luther, you have as much laughter as you have faith. I know it's not the Bible It's just Martin Luther But I thought it was good Martin Luther said You have as much laughter As you have faith If you say I believe I'm a believer I got faith And you're sad and miserable All the time I doubt it I very highly doubt it Because you know If, you're, if you got faith Man I tell you laughter's going to come with that Because if you really believe God And you see all the great things And you see How much God values you And and what he does for you That should lead to a little Guffaw, 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 guffaw Guffaw <laughs> Some legs slapping, some. up Okay, Martin Luther, again, Martin Luther said, the gospel is nothing less than laughter and joy. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel is nothing less than laughter and joy. Soren Kierkegaard, he said, humor is the prelude to faith and laughter is the beginning of prayer. Humor is the prelude to faith. Amen? Did I tell you about <laughs> The, the Scottish guy and the Irish guy entered a pub. No, just kidding. You know, It's a good thing. I mean, having fun's a good thing. Enjoying him's a good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. It's the beginning of prayer. Laughter is the beginning of prayer. Let's look at the word. The word says, First Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice evermore. Rejoice. I mean, rejoice. I mean, get yourself wired up. Not just joy, but rejoice. Recharge it. Get it going. And when should you do it? Constantly constantly. Rejoice always. Rejoice evermore. Galatians 4.15, when Paul came back and the religious Judaizers, they all came and tried to drag them back into the law, tried to pull them back into performance religion. Paul said, what has happened to all your joy? Because religion just quenches joy. just rips people off. Did I tell you one of our number one values is we got to have some fun? And that should wrap everything because, you know, if we are a presence people and the presence, vibrant corporate gatherings are important, then it should be completely stamped. The hallmark of our gathering should be joyful celebration. Come on. Tell yourself, get happy. I'm telling you right now, get happy right now. Come on. You got 10 seconds. One, two. A lot of pressure, right? Man, that's pressure. Well, let's look at it some more. Let's look at it some more. Spurgeon, he said, our apostle, speaking of Thessalonians 5.16, he said, our apostle, the apostle Paul, speaking of rejoicing as a personal, present, permanent duty to always be carried out by the people of God. The Lord has not left it to our own option, whether we will sorrow or rejoice. But he's pinned us down by a positive injunction. He said, rejoice evermore. The apostle Paul didn't say, you know, I'd like you to be joyful. If you can't, that's Okay. You know, do your best, but if at all. He said rejoice evermore. He didn't make it optionally. Pinned us down by positive injunction. Rejoice evermore. Ha! Huh. Rejoice. Well, I have, the, I have the joy, but it's the deep joy, you know. I have the joy, this, you know, the pressed down deep joy. It's just constant, just kind of rumbles. It should hit your face, honest to God. Hey. Should, should, should. Okay, Psychology Today. Read that right after the Bible every morning. Psychology Today, it's magazine, June 21st, 2011. Laughter reduces levels of stress hormones such as cortisol, epinephrine, uh, epinephrine. Epinephrine, what's wrong with epinephrine? Epinephrine, epinephrine. You say tomato, I say tomato. Epinephrine, Epinephrine, type. All right, dopamine. It increases health-enhancing hormones such as endorphins. <laughs> fins, not fiends. Fins. Endorphins. I knew that. I was just messing with you, Cheryl. Neurotransmitters. You know what that is, eh? That's the things that come out of your brain that speak to your cells. So when you go, ha, 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 endorphins go to your cells and say, health, life, happy. And those cells all start to, they start to manifest and they start to reject disease and sickness. It's a really good reason to go, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. That's why God who designed you said rejoice evermore because it's good for you. All right, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Neurotransmitters and infection fighting antibodies. When you're laughing, that's why it says it says take your medicine, right? A happy heart, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Take your medicine. You ready? Let's take some healing. Everybody want to just embrace and flood and release healing in your life? Ha ha! Ha 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 ha! Ha ha ha! Ha 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 ha! Ha 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 it door feeds. <laughs> oh, ooh, stole some air there. That was good. And it improves blood flow to the heart, all resulting in greater relaxation and resistance to disease, as well as improved mood and a positive outlook. Now, you got to accept that because it's from psychology today. Almost as good as the Bible. Like these are brainiac, smart people who've studied all this stuff and come to those conclusions. So speak to yourself and say, cheer up. Go ahead. Cheer up. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. Right? It's good stuff. Joy, there it is. That's what the Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, joy is a personal, present, permanent responsibility number one here the object of joy what is the object of joy well what am I supposed to be happy about what's the object of my joy I got to be happy because you say so no there is an object of your joy then I will go to the altar of God unto God my exceeding joy so what is your exceeding joy God is God is the object of your joy What's my joy all about? What is the object of my joy? When you meditate on God and you think about God, when you think about he's your father, how much he loves you, how much he's for you, that should make you a little bit happy. And here's another verse, Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice where? Rejoice how? Rejoice in, Pastor Carl. Rejoice in your nice day. Rejoice in the sunshine. Rejoice in the fact that your car is still on the road and working. Rejoice in the fact that your marriage is okay. Now, here's what it says. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. So what what is the object of my joy? The Lord. The object of my joy is God. You're awesome. You're the object of my joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. The object of your joy Next, what do you got? You got the quality of your joy. What's the quality of your joy? You ready? The quality of your joy is, I'm gonna give you the full measure of my joy. Here's Jesus praying for you about joy. And Jesus saying, Lord, you know the joy that I have? You know the full measure of joy that I possess? I'm about to leave, Father. I'm about to leave the scene. It's their turn. And what I want you to do, Father, is the full measure of my joy, let it be in them. How many think the Father would answer Jesus' prayer? Yes. So what did you get as a gift granted to you? The full measure of the joy that Jesus walked in. And what was he anointed with? The oil of joy. What did he do? He spun around. He twisted. He went, woo. He was always one happy fella. All the time? Yes, I mean all the time. All the time. He was one happy guy. So what What else is it? It's What's the quality of it? It's divine. It's everlasting. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Everlasting. Well, that joy we had yesterday, it was some good, wasn't it? Well, it's not yesterday's joy because the joy is always current because that joy is the joy of the Lord. It's the full measure of his joy, and it is everlasting joy. You never run out. Settle down. I know that's exciting. I know that blows your mind, but please hold your laughter for the end. All right. What else is it? It's unlimited because it says you will be continually filled throughout your whole souls, all your souls, with joy. Now, look what it says. With the Holy Spirit, with joy and joy. The Holy Spirit. So joy in itself, there's a filling of joy that is beyond just the Holy Spirit. Even though the Holy Spirit is a source of joy, there is joy that comes from God that is aside from the Holy Spirit. There's a joy from God's throne. There's a joy that He baptizes you in every day. There's a ceaseless, unlimited flow of divine joy coming your way. So the object of joy it's in the Lord. The quality is divine, everlasting, and limited. What is the source of joy? Several places, the source of joy. Holy Holy Ghost. He'll fill you with all joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll fill you with how much joy? All joy. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a source of joy. It says in Romans fourteen seventeen, the kingdom of God is, comma, and then you go righteous peace of joy, comma. How many understand grammar just a little bit? How many did okay with grammar? How many did terrible with grammar? All right. When there's a comma, and then there's another comma. You can take that piece right out of the sentence. All right? So you can put brackets around that and remove it, and you can pull the commas together. You can pull those spaces together. So you'll see the kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. It's my good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. When he gave us the Holy Ghost, he gave us the kingdom. The kingdom is in the Holy Ghost. What's it like, pastor? What is the What is the kingdom like? What is it like when he gives us the Holy Ghost? What's it like? It's righteousness, peace, and joy. Ah, you got the Holy Ghost? Yes! What do you got? You got righteousness, peace, and joy. It's its good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? It's in the Holy Ghost. How many got the Holy Ghost? How many got the third person Trinity living right in the inside of you every day? Your helper, the one who comes alongside of you, wraps you up, fills you, animates you in every way. The kingdom of God is righteousness in every sphere of your life. I am right. Don't you love being right? I love being right. And I am right. Body, soul, spirit in every aspect. Because of the kingdom, the reign of the king of glory. I am righteous in every way. And I am flooded with peace. Woo! And man, does that ever cause joy to flow out of me like a river. It's good. Okay. It's good. Right there. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. It's righteousness peace, and joy. Then the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruits. Well, I got, I got some of the fruits. I got, I got the love, a little bit of love. And I got, got some patience. I'm working on the other fruits. It's not the fruits. It's the fruit. It's when you got the Holy Ghost in you, the fruit of the relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. The outworking of that relationship is love, joy. Peace. There's another source of it. It's all in the Holy Ghost, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The Word of God is a source of joy. And these things I write to you, why am I writing this to you? That your joy may be full. The, word, the reason the word was written was to give you joy, to flood you and fill you with joy. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. the word was unto me joy and rejoicing in my heart. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, I welcomed the message. They welcomed it with joy inspired by the Holy Ghost. Salvation itself is, is, a, is a well. Salvation, it's just constant flow of salvation. I love Isaiah 12, 3, with joy shall you draw waters from the wells of salvation. Prayer in thy presence. When you're meditating, when you're spending time Time with God. Prayer is a source of joy. John 16 24, ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. How many just love answered prayer? How many just love that you get to pray? How many love this is so awesome, God, that that you've designed it that when we need stuff, you said, just ask me in Jesus' name and you'll have whatever you ask for. Man, that brings you a lot of joy. So prayer is a massive source of joy. Say, "Drinking." drinking! Drinking! Woo! I'm not talking about Pinot Grigio. I'm not talking about, you know, a nice Merlot or a Cab Sauve. I'm talking about drinking the Holy Ghost. It says, Psalm 36:8 says, You gave them to drink of the river of your delights. It's time just waiting on God, just drinking deep on Him, just, just drinking deep. Because you know what? The river isn't a metaphor, there is a river. There really is a river that flows from God's own throne, and you can drink of the river. The Apostle Paul said he's given us one spirit to drink. How do you get the spirit? Drink it. How, does anybody here know how to drink? You know, you just, just drink the Holy Ghost, just take it in. How do you drink the Holy Ghost? Just drink it in. One of the ways I drink the Holy Ghost is ha 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 ha. That's one of the ways I drink. I spent some time laughing and hanging out with him and drinking. If we've been given the Holy Ghost to drink, don't you think we should know how? Ah, look, there's the Holy Ghost. I should drink some. How do we do that? Because he gave it to us to drink. (laughs) The river, there is a river that flows from God's own throne. And the Holy Ghost, there is a river. He gave you the spirit to drink. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Psalm 46.4, there is a river. The streams whereof make glad the city of God. What's the city of God? The city of God is a type of the church. Church. It flows to his own. It flows to the city of God. When you come to the house of God, you're praising, you're worshiping, you're you're enjoying his presence, you're drinking, you're embracing him. You get into the word, you're drinking. You're drinking him. You're enjoying him. You're taking in his presence. All right, that's object of joy, quality of joy, source of joy, reasons for joy. Number one, blessings. Here's a really good verse. You ready? Great verse. Remember this, Deuteronomy 28 has blessings and curses. All right, Deuteronomy 28 is in the old covenant. And how? which covenant are you living in now? Thank you. That was very good. Therefore, when you read the Old Covenant, you have to read it through the filter of the cross. Now, when you read Deuteronomy, you see that there's blessing and curses. What do you get? Blessing. So, you've got all the blessings because Jesus became a curse for you. So, you get to always live on the blessing page. But let me just read from the curse part just for fun. All right. It says, Curses will come upon you. Why? Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. So, for those of you who need fear to motivate you, get happy. Like, literally, back then, God was saying, you you know why curses come on you? Because you're just no fun to be with. You're actually just, I'm blessing your socks off, and you're not even grateful. Like, I mean, curses come upon people who can't enjoy the blessing of God in your life. The blessing is a really good reason. The blessing is an amazing result, and the blessing is a great reason for joy. Can I get an amen? amen? Thanks, God. What have you done for me lately? He's so cute. I just, I could have slapped him with a blessing, anyways. All right. Amen. Amen. That was good right there. Now, if you are into religion and into law, circle that scripture and send it by Facebook to your law friends and tell them that you know why God's not blessing your life. It's because you're miserable. All right. And then we turn joy into a work, right? The work of joy. Do the work of joy so that God can bless you. No, God, Jesus did the work of joy and He prayed, Give them the full measure of my joy. Where'd you get your joy from, Pastor? Jesus. Does it work? Absolutely. All right. Cheer up. Really? How many need a rough day? Cheer up. (laughs) That's good. That's all you got from you, Pastor? Yep, pretty much, you know. (laughs) What's the word for me today, Pastor? Cheer up. (laughs) Rejoice evermore. It's good for you right there. That's probably the best word you could get tonight. All right, next one, healing. Reason for joy, healing. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Healing, strength. The joy of the Lord doesn't give you strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Doesn't give you strength. The joy of the Lord doesn't make you stronger. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Ha 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 ha! Go ha ho ha ho ha ho! Do you know that it's impossible to do that? They've actually proven that you have to laugh with the same syllable. Ha 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 ha! ha, ha. It, you can't do it. It has to be. It's true. The study of laughing. It has to be ha ha or he he or ho oh, ho. It cannot be ha ho he ha ho ho ho. It has to be ha 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 ha. Listen to your neighbor now. Ha ho hee ha ho ha ha you can't do it. See, real joy is the same syllable. Ha ha or he he or ho ho, unless you're your <belly>. huh. Okay. All right, just thought I'd throw that in. It's true, you can study it on your own time. Rivers, reason for joy, rivers. Rivers flow out of your belly, rivers of healing, rivers of power, rivers of strength. If you laugh, rivers will flow out of your belly, rivers of power. It says, Come unto me and drink, and out of your innermost belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers are gonna flow out of your belly, people all around you. That's when Peter was walking around, mining. In his own business because he was so full of the Holy Ghost, so full of the kingdom. The river was flowing at him and healing people. Just unconsciously, people were being touched just being around him. That's because the river was exploding the banks of his life. Hello, I can see you. I can actually see you. Ha <laughs> ha. Don't know about this joy. This is a very big value for us Alright so there you go Recovery Jeremiah 33 11, The voice of joy The voice of joy comes And the voice of joy Will cause return from captivity As at first saith the Lord The voice of joy Will call in restoration It'll also give you results It says how do you get results How do you get the end of your faith How do you get what you're believing for Pastor I'm believing for this How can I bring it into manifestation How many are believing for something Three people I'm just believing God for this. How how do I get this into manifestation, Pastor? Well, you ready? Here it is. I'm going to give you the secret right now to your breakthrough. If you're believing for something, if you're going to receive what you're believing for, you have to do this. Rejoice with inexpressible great joy and full of glory. That's not my idea. That's the Bible. The Bible says, whatever you're believing for, rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, and you will receive the end of your faith. So God has tied rejoicing to a fulfillment of what you're believing for. Do I have to get happy about it? Can't I just say thank you? could you please bring it? I believe it. Uh, I stand on it. <laughs> no, you got to go, I believe it. Ha <laughs> ha. What are you so happy about? God has answered my prayer. What are you so happy about? God is the author of my breakthrough. God is working on my behalf right now. And he's bringing into manifestation what I'm believing for. You don't go into a closet and get ugly. <laughs> All sweaty and messy. Some people think intercession is... <laughs> Did I cry enough to twist your arm? No, in fact, you're annoying. <laughs> intercession is, whoa, ha, ha what are you doing, interceding? I'm standing between what I'm believing for and what I'm receiving. Standing in the gap, intercession, I'm standing between what I'm believing for. How do you do that? Well, the Bible says whatever you're doing in the middle of what you're believing to receive it should be joy unspeakable and full of glory. What is what is speakable joy? I'm so happy. Praise God! I'm wonderful. That's speakable joy. What's unspeakable joy? Unspeakable joy is ha 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 Okay. <sighs> Joel 1.12, the vine is dried up. The fig tree languishes. My job, I got fired. My wife kicked me out. The dog bit me and the apple tree fails and the fields are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Why all this barrenness? Why all this miserable stuff? Because joy is withered away. If you let joy wither in your life, the enemy can take your stuff. Because he took your strength, and the enemy wants to attack your joy all the time. But joy is a big deal, and joy is a value around here. It's not just—it's not just, yeah. Every once in a while, we're happy. No, we're going to get happy right now. You ready? In the—you got ten seconds to get happy. It's a—it's a picture right above my desk. You walk in, you got ten seconds to get happy. It's not—I should put it there though. <laughs> you walk in. Oh, there's a lot of pressure. I got ten seconds to get happy. <gasps> Sometimes people get stressed out about being joyful. You know, there you get, the object, the quality, the source, the reasons for, and the results, all right? So you'll lose your joy, you'll take your stuff. Yet I will rejoice. The fig tree may not blossom nor be fruit in the vine, yet you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna rejoice. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord my God, he is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he'll make me walk on the high hills. So you know what, no matter what situation you find yourself in, the only way out is get happy right now and be full of joy. Because you know, barrenness comes because joy is withered away. And what do you do? You get happy right now and declare the joy of the Lord over your circumstances. All right, that's number one. Enjoy, enjoy. I got half an hour to do the next three. Can I do that? I'll do, how about 15 minutes, five minutes a piece? Okay. Next one, next verb, very important, is connect. Connect. So connect, connect is important because what what we want people to do is connect. You know, some people come here, they don't even know about God. Some people come here and they're actually skeptical. Some people come here, they don't even believe the Bible, don't believe nothing, but they got invited and they kind of like the place, so they start hanging around. You know what, you're allowed to hang around even if you don't believe. And you're allowed to hang around even if you're a dog wretch, full-on, full-time sinner. Even if you don't get it right, you're not even sure. You know what? We still want you to connect. And connecting is a very important thing for us. Every single person who walks in here, we don't ask you where you're from, what your gender is, or you know, whether you believe in Popeye and spinach or whatever. I just want you to know when you walk in the door, I got an obligation to love you, accept you, and bless you. And you know what? Our first value is everybody gets to connect. Everybody gets to be a part of community. Everybody is going to be loved no matter what. Well, pastor, what if they're, you know, evil people? Who are you? Connect. Lieutenant... Hero Anada. He didn't know the war was over. He stayed in his position because his commander told him to. The war was over for 29 years and he didn't, he would not surrender until his own direct officer came into the jungle to tell him the war was over. All kinds of people said, dude, the war is over. He says, he would not leave his position in the jungle until his own commanding officer came in and said, buddy, you're free to go. It's over. And he came walking out. So they asked him, they said, in all that time in the jungle, I mean, what happened? What was going down? And here's Here's his answer. You ready? Nothing pleasant happened in 29 years in the jungle. Alone in the jungle, without purpose. Another guy, Christopher Knight, look this guy up, very good. Here's a guy who, uh, he, he he parked his car, walked into the wilderness, gone. Just just went, drove away from life, parked his car, walked into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness in the north woods of Maine for 27 years. He survived by committing about 1,000 burglaries in homes. Once in all those years, once in 27 years, he crossed a hiker. And in 27 years, the only thing he spoke to another human being was, hi. That was it. Never saw anybody. Then he finally got caught breaking into a home and he was arrested. So they asked him, all that time you were there by yourself, tell us about it. He said, well, actually I became very introspective. Without others, I found myself, I had no need to define myself. He said, I became irrelevant. When you're not connected and people aren't connected, when people don't belong, they're irrelevant. They have no way to identify themselves, to help themselves become who they are. And being connected and belonging is a value that every single person needs to have. And I want anyone who walks in the doors of this place, I want them to immediately feel welcome. I want them to feel connected. I want them to feel that they're in a community with very soft edges where they're going to feel that they can get in and they can be significant and be somebody. Is that okay? It's actually a value for us. It really is. You know, a lot of people say, well, first you got to believe like we do and then behave properly and then we'll sign you up for membership. You know what? I think you're somebody who is worthy of value, esteem and love. If you walk in and you got a pulse, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to let you you can participate in everything in this house and be involved in everything and I want you to connect and I want you to feel that connection 59 51 commands on uh, the New Testament about one another 20, 21 of them involve love a new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you the old covenant has the old commandments but the new one has a new commandment it's love Hebrews 10: 18 to 25 from the NLT gives us a bunch of imperatives there and here they are connecting is mandatory number one together we approach. Together we approach. Now I approach on my own. Good luck with that. Together we approach. Let us go right into the presence of God. Together we approach. Revelation 5, 9, your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every tongue. How I kept nothing back. It was helpful. I proclaimed to you and I taught you publicly and from house to house. I mean, this is a corporate thing and connecting is mandatory. We want people to connect. We, we connect together, we, we gather together, but together we stand. He said, let us hold tightly without wavering the hope that we affirm. Holding on as a group, it's a group activity to hold on, holding on to each other, holding on to the promises. He is faithful, we stand together. Number three, we, together we act. Let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. So join me, help me with this, get involved in this. I mean, connecting and connecting people, no matter who they are, getting them involved is a value. For us, because together we act. Number four, together we remain. Let us not neglect meeting together. I mean, I'm a Bible believer. Any Bible believers here? Anybody believe the Word of God? Well, the Word of God says, let us not neglect gathering together. Some are already in the habit of doing social media is not a real human interaction. It's so, it's really not. It's really not, all right? It's edited. It's your, ear. you know, I, I only put the highlights of my life on there so you can all go, I wish my life was like Pastor Carl. I just show the beach shots, the cool shots. And Cheryl has to, she has to okay any pictures that I put on. I have to get an okay. I took one last night. She said, oh, that's no good. Not that one. Take another one. And we had to take about 40 shots. She said, okay, that one works. So everybody's Facebook is edited, is it not? All heads bowed, eyes closed. How many edit your Facebook? You only give your highlights, right? How many is the last time that you yelled at your wife and you went, just a minute, let me get a selfie. You're a freaking rat! <clears throat> just had a fight with my wife, you know, hashtag I'm an idiot. <laughs> True, true story. Just went on a great vacation. Oh, my God, there's no flush toilet in our room. Take a picture of this one. Great holiday, hashtag loser book this one. Okay, so, all right. So, it, you know, social media is not an interaction, all right? So how many of you have secretly unfollowed me? How many, honestly, I'm still there, and I, you don't know. Pastor, you don't know, but I've actually, I've, I've wow. How many of unfollowed eyes oh, closed, has about how many of unfollowed somebody? Just like too much information. I just, They're getting they're just getting they're in my feed way too much. Anybody? I've never done that. Just kidding. I think I have, but maybe once. Three of you are here tonight that I did it too. Like, okay. I want every I want to know when everybody's birthday is because I feel like I might offend somebody if I didn't remember if I didn't remember yours or didn't see it, I might have been away that day or I was depressed. And, uh... Sorry, I didn't do that. Connecting is important, all right? Uh, 75 years, 75-year 75 study called the Kluck study. All right. They tracked from 1939 to 2014 a huge, huge study. They followed 450, I don't know why, but 456 poor men and the 268 male graduates of Harvard classes. They studied all these guys. Here's the conclusion: a massive study, 75-year study. Here's the conclusion of that study. According to Robert Waldinger, Director of Harvard Study of Adult Development, one thing surpasses all the rest in terms of importance. The clearest message we get from the 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Period. 75-year study. Achievers over connectors. Connectors were way more happier than achievers connecting is a big deal. People need to connect, and we want this to be a place where if people come in, it's got really soft edges, and they'll be welcome right away. Connect is a big, big deal around here, and you know what? It's good. I tell you, Madeline is is running a lot of that for us right now, and Madeline said she looks around on Sundays, and a lot of the people that are new here, she sees people interacting. It's like the whole church is a part of the guest center, and that's beautiful to see. You're not saying, I'm not a guest center today. I'm not going to say hi to a stranger. Everybody, you're all on guest center. Every one of you are on guest center. So I insist, if somebody's in front of you that you don't know, make sure you introduce yourself. Maybe they've been here for a while. So what? We got to be connecting, reaching out. Connection is a big, big deal for people. And if you go to a church and you can't make a connection, you're not going to stay. They say, if you don't make six significant connections within six months, you're not going to stay at that church. How many are still working on your fourth? Honestly. I've been here for, what, 29 years? I've only got three. But I stayed because you pay me. So. But really, you're not very kind. Just kidding. You're the best, honest to God. But really, you should, should, you know, really reach out to people. It's a big, big deal. All right, did I make enough of a deal about Connect? Okay, Connect is a big deal. Love one another deeply from the heart. Have such faith that could move mountains. Listen to this. If you had faith that could move mountains, I honestly would want to hang out with you. Is anybody here moving mountains right now? Like, you're, hey, mountain, Boulder Mountain, boulder, Sarnia. I would hang out with you a lot. I'd say, yeah, that is pretty cool. But you know what the Bible says about that? If you can do that, but you don't have love, you're nobody. Yeah. Well, I can prophesy a stream. Yeah, but if you don't love anybody and you've got a track record of broken relationships and messed up lives, big deal. Because you don't have love, I don't care what supernatural magic you think you can perform. Because God himself says, you have the words of tongue of, of angels and you do, you know have all knowledge, like all knowledge. You'd say you're nobody if you don't have love. So love's a massive priority and connecting with people is a big, big deal. So you gotta connect. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. All right, verse next verb is three. So we want everybody to connect and we're believing that if people get to connect, you know what that's gonna lead to? That's gonna lead to them following they're going to encounter the joy of our culture. They're going to encounter, what a fun place. Do you know why Jesus took people three days in the wilderness without food? Because he was a lot of fun to be with. How many think you would follow a guy who was no fun for three days without a meal? You know what I mean? he had to be a lot of fun. Man, this guy, he's, he's still talking. He's walking. We're a long ways away from a McDonald's. We're nowhere close to a Harvey's. We're in fact a three-day journey from Swiss Chalet. But I don't care. I just enjoy being with this guy. And then he gets them into a place of such a crisis that now you feed them. And he creates a beautiful miracle that they all get to perform together. You know, but it's because he was a lot of fun to be with. So people are in an encounter culture where it's a lot of fun to be, all right? That's why I try to be not so nasty when I'm preaching most times. And then they they, they feel like "I, I can belong here. I'm accepted. I'm loved. How many know it's really great to feel accepted? accepted 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 and then when you're accepted you can make those connections you know what suddenly you're going to hear the message and you're going to hear that I could be a follower of Jesus there's so many people whose testimonies are coming to this place they came because somebody they ran into they just were so curious about that person something in their life attracted them they came here they just loved hanging out they went you know what I don't even know what that was about but I feel like it was good for me and then it wasn't until later on that they started putting their hand up going, I want Jesus. And suddenly it was, it was they enjoyed it, they connected, and then they became followers. Where so often the gospel is, you need to become a follower, then we'll let you join the club. No, you, we want you to be connected, then you'll become a follower. Right? When people experience the culture of joy, the presence, they belong, they connect, all that is there, all right? So if you read the gospel, you find Jesus. He was highly relational. It's a big, big deal. But here's what Jesus said. He said, uh, he turned to them, he said, follow me, follow me. Follow me, and I'll make you a fisherman. He appointed the 12, and he said, I want you to be with me. He I want you to be with me, and then he might send them out to preach. But the first thing is, is be with me. First thing is, follow me. Luke chapter 5, 8 and 9, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees. He said, depart from me. I mean, I'm a sinful man. I mean, here he is. I mean, he, I get in the boat, and I do this amazing miracle, and I catch this massive amount of fish. What Peter was saying is that I can't reciprocate in this relationship. That was too awesome. I have no way to repay you. I mean, I, I, got, I got nothing. I mean, if, if you can do this for the relationship, honestly, I got nothing. I mean, if you're expecting me to somehow reciprocate for what you just did to me, I got nothing. He doesn't want you to reciprocate. He doesn't want anything from you. He just wants you to follow. That's all he wants is you to follow. Follow me. Follow me. But so often we're thinking, I'll clean up my act so that I'm worthy to follow. I don't care about what you're doing or who you are. Just come. Come and be with me. Come and be with me and people just start to follow. I can't hang out with you, Lord. I mean, you're out of my league. I can't do it. He said, don't be afraid. See that? There was fear. It was fear of the relationship. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that God is awesome and you're not. Who cares? Just follow Him. Follow him. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. And they forsook all, and they followed him. Matthew 9, he went there, and he called Matthew a tax collector. He calls this tax collector to come and follow him. So what he did was he, he called one of the most vile people in the Jewish world to be one of his followers. I mean, one of the most vile people. He, he said, Matthew, check all these boxes, and you can come follow me. No, he didn't say anything. He said, just come and follow me. Verse 10, now it happened is Jesus was at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners. Say, tax collectors? And sinners, what does that tell us? That tells us that tax collectors is its own category of sinner. I mean, there's sinners, and then there's tax collectors. I mean I mean, sinners, yes, but tax collectors. Like, that's another category altogether. There were sinners and tax collectors there. Jesus called one of the most vile people in the Jewish world, "Follow me." I love that, don't you? Follow me. Follow is a big deal for us. Just come and follow. Just come and follow. I mean, if you're not comfortable around us, that's my fault. It's not on you, because I want you just to follow. You should be comfortable. Jesus made everybody feel great. He made everybody feel comfortable. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does the teacher eat with the tax collector and a sinner? Jesus was constantly overshadowed by those When Jesus saw that, he said to them, those who are well don't need a physician. But those who are sick... the tax collector. you call it? me sick. Dude. Come on, you're a tax collector. Of course you're sick. Come on. I'm hanging out with you. But you guys are one sick bunch of people, honestly. Verse 13. And go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen? Sacrifice. Church too often requires effort and behavior modification. The Pharisee says, change and you can join us. But Jesus said, join me and you can change. So Jesus' love is always the force of our devotion. When Lazarus was sick, his sisters could write one letter. All right? I got a sick brother in Jesus. I need you to come right now. So Jesus, Lazarus, has been a great supporter of your ministry. He sent several checks to you. He's been one of your, he's been been in the platinum category of partners in your ministry. Please come and help him. That's not how they got Jesus to move. Here's how they appealed to Jesus. The one you love is sick. Did you hear me? You You know what you appeal to in Jesus? You know what you need to appeal to in Jesus? Jesus, the one you love. Me, right here, the one you love, needs you. Never try to approach him with your list of, you know, here's why you need to help me because I've been good for a week. No, just straight up. Here's the only thing you ever appeal to in God is you love me. That's all. You love me. And everybody needs to hear they're loved. Everybody needs to know that they can follow. So Lazarus was sick, and the sisters, all they said was, hey, the one you love is sick. All right? How much of life, how much of life is your life, my life, serving Jesus? It's all about me. See, I'm doing my best to serve Jesus. Stop it. You're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're you're caught in a performance gap, and it's going to mess up your whole life. You know, it should be all about him. Your performance, anything you do for him has to come from his love invading your life. It should always be about him. How much of your focus do I put on my behavior and my performance? Could it be that the whole focus of God's word and the whole purpose of Christianity is to reveal God's love for his creation and not about a bunch of rules for you to obey to try to qualify yourself to be used by him? We get the thing so messed up. It just says, follow those closest to Jesus appear to be more preoccupied with his love for them rather than their love for him. We need to get delivered from our behavior modification gospel. God loves you. Da-da-da, there's more stuff about that. Da-da-ding, da-da-ding. Let's move on to follow me. Page six at the top, being a sinner as a prerequisite. I mean, man, being messed up. I mean, God's looking for messed up people. Not getting it is okay. I don't understand all the doctrines. So what? Follow. Relational and not rule-based. Your focus is on where you are, not on where you're not. Are you with Jesus? Are you with Jesus? Are you with Jesus? I totally am. I totally am. And you know why I'm with Jesus? Because he can't live without me. He's nuts about me. And he loves me. Sorry. What was number two and number three. Has anybody got a, a, a gap missing or something? Sorry, where was the one, two, three? Top of page six. Being a sinner is a prerequisite. Not getting it all is okay. It's relational and not rule-based. Your focus is where you are and not where you're not. All right, that was that's what that's all about. Yeah, I'm not saying being a sinner... Is a prerequisite to stay going with him, but following him, he's calling sinners to follow him. So actually, being a sinner is a prerequisite. Not staying there because you get delivered, and sinners actually, as soon as you accept him, you become a saint, and you no longer actually have a sin relationship with God. It's not even about that. If if you're walking with God, First John says you are a child of God, and you cannot sin. Get your head around that one. I'm a child of God, and I cannot sin. Sin does not shape my relationship with God anymore. Jesus dealt with it once and for all, past, present, and future. And if you can't get your head around that, you really don't understand how amazing the gospel is. And if you think, well, if you say you can't sin, maybe I'll sin. Well, you don't understand grace then because grace teaches to say no to ungodliness and yes, to uprightness and righteous living in this life. It's only grace that can bring righteousness. It's only an understanding of his unmerited favor that can actually change you. And if you're trying to change yourself to get his favor, you're stuck and drunk on religion. Okay, that was good. Thank you, Pastor. Last one, last verb is discover. Can you say amen? Okay. They said that, how many watched the Jetsons? How many remember the Jetsons? Most of you folks are old enough to remember the Jetsons. Do you remember what his work week was? Let me tell you what it was. Here was his work week. He pushed, had a push button job. He only worked one hour, two days a week. Because that's what they believed in the future, everything's going to be so automated, that people are going to, there's only be two-hour work weeks. Hey, praise the Lord! You know, they really believed that. They really believed that in the 1965, they had a whole Senate hearing, a whole committee met together, and here was the question they were going to resolve. What will we do with our time in the future when we have experienced all these advances in technology and there's only a 20-hour work week? They had a whole Senate hearing on that in 1965. Newspaper in North Carolina, November 26, 1967. My birthday, by the way. Those who hunger for time off work may take heart from the forecast of political scientist Sebastian de Grazia. He said that the average work week by the year 2000 will be 31 hours, and perhaps as few as 21. That was what he said back then. It's not quite like that, is it? Is anybody there at the 21-hour work week? Anyway, they were terrified about what are people going to do. They said people are going to go crazy. They're going to just have a hard, hard time because they won't know. Said the reason to fear this, as some do, is that free time, forced free time, will bring reckless tick of boredom, idleness, and immorality, and increased personal violence. So that's what they thought would happen. What's that all got to do with it? How are you doing? I mean, it's good, but so crazy, so crazy busy. How many are crazy busy? Oh, I'm so crazy busy. Oh, I get that for people. Hey, how you doing? Oh, busy, busy. Man. So busy. How you doing? Good. Oh, busy. Oh, so busy. So busy. That's the curse of our day. Everybody's, even, I, I had to actually find myself and discipline myself. Don't ever say that again. Don't say you're busy. Because I found myself going, how you doing? Oh, busy, man, busy. That was just became a response. I went, stop it. So I said, I'm not doing anything. Uh, Karoshi, death by overwork. This is in uh, uh, the Anna Fiffield in the Sydney Morning Herald said that claims for Karoshi related cases rose to a record high of 2,310 in the year ending March 2016 government figures show. People were dying from overwork. Wowzers. Busy, I'm busy, man, Busy busy. You need to find some rest in your life, right? Margin, margin. You need some margin in your life. Don't live to the edge of your experience. Don't live to the edge. Don't live beyond the margin. If you're not there's no rest in your life. There's no faith in your life. You're pushing yourself too far. You got to learn some rest. So you got to learn that. So I believe people are driven in our culture because they've not found yet rest and the answer to these are these two questions. You'll find rest because you know where you came from and you know why you're here. These two things are going to set you free tonight, and that's why Discover is a big deal around here, because I want everybody, I did a whole series a few years back called Thank God It's Monday, because I had a whole bunch of people doing, oh, I hate my job, I hate what I'm doing, and I'm like, well, then stop doing it, do something else, go back to school, retrain, do something, (gasps) I just hate my job. Who wants to go week in and week out hating your job? Like, how stupid is that? Then change it, do something, you're not a captive to it, stop it, and you know what, or just change your mind about it. It's not your job. It's like I said last week. I mean, Paul's not a lawyer. He just looks like a lawyer. God wrapped him up in the package of a lawyer, and he planted him at learners to reach people and learners for the kingdom. All these years, Paul thought he was a lawyer, and he's not. He's a minister. You know, you're a minister. That's what you are. And you know what? You've got an opportunity to go somewhere and exchange your time for pay so that you can share the goodness of God with people every day. That's, you're a minister everywhere you are. We're all ministers. You're not doing a job. I hate my job. It keeps me from ministry. Your job is your ministry. You're wrapped up in that to manifest the kingdom. Imagine if we were all in full-time ministry. None of us at all were actually engaged in the community anywhere. No no Christian lawyers. No Christian doctors. No Christian nurses. No Christian teachers. No, no Christian Tim Horton donut flippers. I mean... No, no Christian, uh, you know, people building stuff, doing anything. No Christian engineers. No Christian anything. Because we're all ministers. Hallelujah. We're all huddled with each other studying the word of God. Glory to God. What do, think about the word? what do you think about the word? That's not God's intention. It's not his plan. And you need this. You'll never be happy if you don't fully unpack and discover what God has called you to be and do. I'm just so tired of going to conferences where the prophets all come out, you, brother, you're called out to sister, see full-time ministry in your life, you, sister. And I'm going, holy cow, if everybody's in full-time ministry... We got all the quippers, but nobody doing anything. We got a whole pile of equippers but no ministers. Are you feeling me yet? You got it? You know, it's all good. It's good. I actually had a job once. I don't work anymore. <laughs> I loved my job. I actually had a prophet say that you need to be careful because your job, your, your constant desire to be in business will, will always draw you, and you're going to have to resist that. And I do. I love it. I love it. I just, I, I, I just so enjoy it. I, I wasn't happy when my dad said, let's go to Bible school. I, I was talking to Zach one day. Zach said, I love ministry. I just, I've always wanted to be in ministry. And I turned to the show and said, I don't think we ever wanted to be in ministry. I wonder if we should do this because we've never really desired it. We were just told to do it. Really strange. But I, I do like it. I do love it. But I really loved it. When I was in business, I just loved it. I loved, you know, creating things, solving problems, opening territories and accounts. It was so much fun. Anyway, I don't know what that's about. Just threw that out there. You know, love what you're doing. Embrace it. Get a passion for it and realize that God's planted you to do it with excellence. Manifest the kingdom everywhere you are. All right, let's wrap this up. Are you ready? Are you ready? Matthew chapter 11, 28, 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle, lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, if you're yoked with the Lord, it's easy and light. There is a yoke, but it's easy and light. It's it's fun. It's easy and light. Are you tired? Worn out. Easy and light. Discover who you are and why. First thing is come. Get away with me and you'll recover life. So child of God created for purpose. Following Jesus leads to profound discovery. A child of God created for purpose. Not a list of expectations. Just come. Come. Just come. Just come to him. It doesn't matter where you are. Even if you don't like where you are, even in the midst of it, just come to him. Let him speak to you. Let him relate to you. Second thing, take my yoke. My yoke is easy. I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. You. happiest place in your life is knowing that you're being who you were created to be that's the happiest thing in your life all right so you end up you end up collecting extra baggage when you are a performer and you're out of your lane number three learn learn from me learn for i am gentle and lowly in heart walk with me work with me and watch how i do it life of intention and efficiency jesus said in john 5 19 he said he does only what he sees the father doing isn't that efficient I only do what I see the Father doing. And the fourth thing is rest. You'll find rest for your souls. He said, Come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. A genuine revelation to his goodness always leads to deep peace. So when you know who you are and you know where you came from, you can live intentionally and freely. First Peter 4.10 says, As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Martin Luther said, A cobbler, a smith, a farmer, each has the work of the office of his trade. They are all con." consecrated priests and bishops. That means he believed every single, every single career, every single placement in life, everything, it was ministry from God's own hand. All of it is ministry. There's no such thing as, you know, you know there's, there's the full-time ministry. We're all in full-time ministry. All of us. The cobbler, the smith, the farmer. It's all full-time ministry. John Garfield, author of Releasing Kings. Fabulous, just learning how to, in the workplace, manifest apostleship and being a king. The reformer Calvin and Luther gave us access to the promise of God. But this reformation we're in right now is an invitation to co-labor with the Father and play our role in building the kingdom. The revelation of salvation is that Jesus is Lord. The revelation of the kingdom is that he's the king of kings and lord of lords. But this reformation is the equipping and releasing of saints in their mountain. The equipping and releasing of saints in their sphere to reign and to rule and to change nations. 1975, Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade, Lauren Cunningham, founder of Youth with a Mission. They had lunch together in Colorado and God simultaneously had given them already these change agents as a message to give others during the time. And in the same time frame, Francis Schaefer over in Europe, he received the same message. That message was that if we were to impact the nation for Jesus Christ, then we'd have to affect the seven spheres, the seven mountains of our society and the pillars of any society. These seven mountains are business, government, media, arts, entertainment, education, family, and religion. So in all of these areas, we need to reign in all of these areas. We got to demonstrate who we are, which means we can't all leave. You know, we are in the world, but we're not of it, but we're supposed to be in it. And as he was sent, we're sent, and we got to manifest, and we're all put in those fears. God's planted you where you are to prosper and planted you to bloom and to blossom and manifest. The essence is this. God is telling these three change agents where the battlefield was. It was here where culture would be won or lost. The assignment was to raise up change agents to scale the mountain to help the new generation of change agents understand the larger, bigger picture, the bigger story. A vibrant culture where people enjoy God's presence will cause people to connect with community, which will result in a desire to follow Jesus and discover his unique design and purpose for their lives. Amen. Those are those are strong values that we have they're kind of we call them tracks they're kind of tracks we want people to be on so we do want you to Enjoy the presence of God. We want you to connect. We want you to follow. And then we want you to discover. And that's why some of these things are to discover your shape. Discover your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences will all shape you. And those are things can help you find your place in the body, but also help you find your place in the community at large. And where God has placed you placed you there to manifest the kingdom and to blossom. And you don't have to preach. You can just smile and nod and use words only if necessary because it's not about opening your mouth. It's just about manifesting excellence everywhere you are. Okay, that was four values. hows was that? Was that all right? Anyway, this is important stuff. And I'm glad you're here. So please do the stuff, do the studies, do the surveys. I mean, I'd love to sit down with you. Cheryl, sit down with you, talk about what's going on, what your giftings and strengths and all those things are. And and uh, believe me, I don't poo-poo on full-time ministry. I am one. And uh, as much as I'm surprised I'm doing it, I do love it. And I'm having a really good time. But, uh, you know, man, it's you should only do it if that's really what you're called to do. If If you're called to be a plumber, be a plumber. You know, and there's... My Myers-Briggs, go look it up if you want. My Myers-Briggs, I am an ENTP. ENTP, that's what I am in my Myers-Briggs. I'm an extroverted, intuitive, thinker, perceiver. Perceiver meaning I don't finish a lot of stuff. I just dream about stuff and try to get other people to do it for me. So... But extroverted is how I process my life. I am intuitive. Intuitive is my biggest circle. Intuitive is how I process a lot of life. Thinker is a big part of that too. So my, it says that my best career choices, because I'm an ENTP, my best career moves would be to be a dictator or a comedian. It says that those are my best. So I think pastor's perfect. So. So that's perfect for me. And uh, my strengths in my strength finders, number one in my strength finder is relator. And I was surprised about that because I actually don't like to be with a lot of people. People who know me know that I, I hate crowds. I do it because I have to, and I don't like it. I prefer to be with with people that I want to go deeper in a relationship with, and I don't need a lot. I just need a few, and that's, and when I saw that relator, went, relator, this thing is totally screwed up because I'm not a relator, but then I read it, and it says a relator is somebody who goes deep in a few, doesn't need a whole bunch. I went, oh, jeez, that is me. That's why I don't know why I'm pastoring. It's just weird, but uh, But then my next was ideation. Ideation is where you can just create on the spot. You just boom, ideas, things, windows open all the time for ways to unpack things. And then it's competition, achiever, and Activator. activator. So those are all of my strengths. So that's that's who I am. So it's a, an interesting an interesting package of stuff. So I'm also a DI, high DI, which is good. I think a DI is really awesome. Cheryl is 100% D, which is phew. You know' so if she walks by you and doesn't say hi, that's because she's a high d. It's not because she doesn't like you or doesn't want to say hi. High ds just they're they're just like on a mission, you know, so if she's going from here to that door, that's all that's important right now. If you're between that, don't matter. It's not that she doesn't like you. it's just that you didn't even enter her radar. you know it's just it's just hello, okay, never mind. <laughs> All right, so there's a lot of good stuff in there, all those things, and I encourage you to do that. It's helped me a lot. It's helped me a lot to unpack who I am, and unpacking who I am, knowing who I am, has enabled me to come outside of that and realize that I need to stretch and realize that some of those things are only strengths when I turn them into skills and I get knowledge about it so I can cross the room and be better at who I am. You'll never be better at who you are if you don't know who you are, and, but when you do, you can really unpack it and it will give you strength and give you understanding. All right. Let me pray for you. Gonna send you on your way, but please do all that stuff. It's real important stuff. All right, and because uh, we want to really, our goal at the end of the summer is to really activate everybody and have people function. And you know, if you're struggling or you're stressed out or freaked out about, you know, what's my life about, call us. Come and see us. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you, and uh, you know, help you. That's why we're here. We're here to equip, to pastor, to help, and uh, we would like to pastor you. All right. Okay. Well, Father, thank you for thank you for this church. Thank you for these folks out here tonight on a hot Wednesday night. And uh, we just love the church, and these things are values for us on purpose. And we just pray, Lord, that as we unpack all these things and do these things, that we're just getting more and more people get to understand and capture the culture of who we are. You know, the big picture of your glory is the big picture, but then there's the little things that uh, are kind of unique to us as a fellowship and uh, things we think you poured in our heart, things that are important to us to really touch our community. So uh, thank you, Father, for all those things. Thank you that we're gonna embrace those things together and manifest your goodness. So Father, bless each one here tonight. Thank you for ice cream and popsicles. In Jesus' name, amen.